Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and play. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge. Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is November 1st. We hope you had a scary and happy Halloween uh, yesterday. It's it's a scary day in the NFL today because today was a trade deadline day, and unlike any other NFL deadline for trades, there were 10 trades today, a whopping 10. I can't believe it. We've got a lot of news to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. By the way, this is the record for trades on trade deadline in the NFL, and we're going to talk about it, break down all the fantasy analysis right for you today. My name is Michael Nazarek, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me, we're going to get right to it. Chris Rito, how are you doing tonight, Chris? Really well, sir, really well. Like you said, it's a really exciting day. Not only were there a lot of trades, there were a lot of trades of, of skill position players, so fantasy-relevant players as well. So I'm really looking forward to talking about some of these and uh, look, seeing what happens with some of these guys, as well as some of the guys that weren't traded, like like a Brandon Cooks and uh, Kareem Hunt, some of the guys we really thought were going to have changes of scenery. Yeah, I was kind of surprised about that, too. In fact, uh, Brandon Cooks wasn't at practice today, and People were speculating because he was getting ready to pack his bags and go somewhere, but that didn't happen. And, and Kareem Hump now is still in, in Cleveland. I think that was kind of a mistake on, uh, on the Browns' part, but we're going to get right to it. The first trade we're going to talk about is because it's in your neck of the woods. It deals with Naheem Hines. Uh, the Buffalo Bills acquired Naheem Hines in return for Zach Moss and some draft capital. I'm not going to go into any specifics about these draft, uh, draft picks and such because I don't have it all in front of me, but we've got it all on the website. We want to know, Chris, what is Naheem Hines going to do in Buffalo, and and does Zach Moss do anything in in Indy? I mean, uh, yeah, well, uh, in Indy. Yeah, I'll answer the second part first. No, I don't think he is. He's he's a body. He's he's just a depth body. Uh, I don't even know if he plays special teams, but I, I'm not real excited about that. Uh, I think Naheem okay. Hines going to Buffalo is a, is really exciting. Um, if you may recall in the off season, they were a big player trying to get J.D. McKissick. So they've been looking for a pass catching back to really impact their offense. They they didn't get J.D. McKissick. He, he resigned with Washington, but uh, so they've been really looking to get one. They were hoping they would get one with uh, with James Cook that he hasn't developed yet. I think Naheem Hines is the, the the piece that they're looking for to put their offense over the top. He's a mismatch. He's an explosive player, whether in the backfield or lining up in the slot. They were actually using him as a wide receiver, running him on the on the you know post routes in, in camp, so he just, it just never came to fruition with the Colts' offense this year. 
he's a high-paid running back. I think he's going to get a lot of action. I think what it probably does, it might actually diminish a little bit of what Devin Singletary's been doing so far. Um, he's actually about two points per game ahead of Naheem Hines uh, on the year, and that's while playing in the top offense while Naheem Hines has been playing in one of the worst offenses in the league. So I think you're going to see a Devin Singletary 2.0 with a little bit more explosiveness, probably a lot more pass catching, uh, maybe a few less rushes, and, and I would say a bigger fantasy impact than Singletary's had so far, who's been a kind of a high three, maybe low end two. Yeah, it's uh, an exciting time, uh, to, I guess, uh, to be to be a Bills fan, a Super Bowl favorite right now. High-powered offense, uh, thrown downfield. Uh, I guess Naheem's going to have to get used to not being dumped off all the time in the backfield for all those catches. Uh, Josh Allen throws it down the field. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how long it takes there for him to get acclimated at all. Uh, so, uh, But anyway, it's going to be very interesting, to say the least. Okay, moving real quickly, another running back traded. Uh, the Dolphins acquired Jeff Wilson after they shipped um, – uh, Chase Edmonds uh, to Denver. So let's talk about Jeff Wilson and the Dolphins. Raheem Mostert's there. What does Jeff Wilson mean to the Dolphins? Uh, certainly great uh, um, insurance for a guy who's often been injured his career, Raheem Mostert. Mostert's been a, a solid RB2 in PPR for about the last month or so. I think they're going to continue to ride him in a pretty powerful offense. Wilson gives them a little bit more of, a, of an inside hammer, so a little bit more of a thunder and lightning compliment, but he's also a guy that can carry the load if asked to, uh, if Mostert is not on the field. Remember, these guys were actually partnered up in the, in the San Francisco backfield just yep. a couple of years ago. So that, so this is, I, I actually really like this move for, for Miami. I think it's an upgrade over Chase Edmonds. He's a better fit and a better compliment to Raheem Mostert, um, and it gives them something that they really didn't have. So I, I really like that move uh, from Miami's perspective. So really a, a hammer uh, running back because Chase Adams was more along the lines of uh, uh, more uh, more Raheem Mostert type back, and it was kind of redundant yeah. there. Uh, it looked like he kind of fell out of favor with the coaches, but now he's in Denver. So uh, with uh, Chase Edmonds in Denver, uh, the uh, actually the GM uh, Patton said that uh, Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray, he, he said actually Melvin Gordon is going to still stay the starter, but Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray are kind of like co-starters, and they saw Chase Edmonds more as a third down back. What does that mean for Mike Boone uh, in, the, in the Denver uh, offense there at running game? Uh, I think Mike Boone is an afterthought at this juncture, but then again the whole Denver offense has pretty much been an afterthought most of this year so far. Um, I actually think the Chase Edmonds thing, uh, he's under contract for another year and fairly high dollars. Remember, he signed about a $12.5 million deal, two-year deal to go to Miami. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, they, uh, they're, they're going to keep him next year, I think, as fairly expensive insurance for Javante Williams. This is just the writing on the wall for Melvin Gordon not being re-signed there. I mean, they're going to have all this money tied up in Edmonds, who, again, can be a complimentary player to Javante Williams as a third-down back but also a decent backup. So I don't think they're going to need uh, a guy that's maybe less effective uh, doing that that's five or six years older. So Melvin Gordon's going to be somewhere else uh, next year, and obviously Murray was a, a stopgap as well. So they're going to probably continue to be the guys this year with a little bit of Edmonds mixed in, just kind of making it an ugly, useless RBBC. But, uh, but I think next year is where you're going to see the big thing where, where Edmonds is going to be the handcuff you want for Javante Williams. There you go. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Javante comes back. Uh, Edmonds paired with him. 
uh, more of the third down back, but they can both catch passes. Uh, a younger, uh, maybe even better version of uh, Melvin Gordon, who's now uh, kind of getting along in the tooth there. And like you say, Latavius Murray is always a stat guy wherever he goes. He's not going to be there after this year. All right, a couple of big, big trades. Wide receiver Chase Claypool. He wants to get paid. He thought he's the best receiver in the game. We all kind of snickered at that. Uh, I tell you, he's produced when he's been called upon uh, in that Pittsburgh offense, done way more than I thought he would. Well, now he's a Chicago Bear, and they gave up a second-round pick, their own second-round pick, not the one they got in the Roquan Smith deal. So they paid uh, through the nose. I know my Giants were eyeing Chase Claypool. They didn't want to go higher than a third. I think the Packers didn't want to go any higher than that. And, uh, you know, you've got to figure that the Bears now are going to look to sign uh, Chase Claypool long-term. But fantasy impact there. Uh Chase Claypool, what is he for the Bears? Uh, how, how does this affect Darnell Mooney? And most importantly, uh, Justin Fields, is he happy now? What do you think, Chris? Well, it, it certainly helps. I mean, one of the big things that they've been saying about Chicago is they didn't give Fields a chance last year and give him any weapons. Well, you know, Darnell Mooney, they made the trade earlier for Nikhil Harry, former first-round pick, and now Claypool. This is actually a pretty nicely talented th- trio of receivers there, uh, with all kind of complementary different skill sets. Now, is he going to stick around after this year? You know, that remains to be seen. Um, the bigger surprise to me is twofold. One, like you said, they paid that much for him, so they must plan on keeping him rather than just give up a high second-round pick for, for nothing. The other thing is is that um, you know, he's – see, how do we want to say this here? Uh, they, they, they look to be sellers. They look to be sellers. They sold off their two best defensive players in Quinn and Roquan Smith, and then all of a sudden their buyers overpaying for a receiver uh, on an offense that basically runs the ball, you know, two-thirds of the time if they can. A little bit unusual. I just don't understand the plan here. Um, I like the pickup. I don't necessarily like the price, and I don't understand the plan. So there's, so there's a lot of confusion. From a fantasy perspective, I don't think it's going to really impact Anyone that much is because there's not that many balls in the air. It's a small pie that's now going to be cut up a little bit more. Um, if anything, it just helps Justin Fields maybe get a little more passing points as opposed to just running points. I, I guess, in, in my opinion, I think, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry kind of uh, was trying to emerge there. He scored last week. He got down to Pettis uh, and Emmius uh, St. Brown. But I think those guys now fall by the wayside. And the question is, can, can Claypool surpass Mooney as the one there? Mooney hasn't – I'm not even sure if he scored a touchdown yet this year, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I think this deal does definitely help Justin Fields in the, in the short term. Uh, and, and like you say, uh, they look like defensively they're sellers, but offensively they're, they're buyers. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed uh, – mixed package there, but uh, at least Justin Fields over the last couple of weeks has, has turned, kind of turned a corner, and this certainly can't help him. All right, uh, the, the big trade of the day started off the all, the all the other trades, just the timing of it. The Minnesota Vikings acquired a t- a tight end TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions. This is an intra-divisional trade in, in the division, and Irv Smith is out eight to ten weeks with a high ankle sprain. What's the fantasy impact here for Hawkinson and, uh, as a Viking, and, uh, and what does this do for uh, uh, Kirk Cousins? And, and also, uh, going back the other way, uh, what, what happens with all the Detroit Lions players? Fantasy, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I really like this move from the Vikings perspective, from an NFL perspective. Um, from a fantasy perspective, it probably really just helps Kirk Cousins, but it may free up a lot of, a lot of better coverage or less coverage for pretty much everyone else. Um, the only guy that it might impact besides, obviously, Irv Smith, uh, I know you and I talked earlier, 
there's maybe a chance that some of the targets that uh, that uh, Adam Thielen was getting might go to Hawkinson, but I don't think it's that much. Um, but I, I think it's just going to kind of help the whole offense be even that much better. And I really like the move from Minnesota's perspective. Um, again, you look at it from, from Hawkinson's perspective, he's going to probably get much higher quality looks now because he won't be the best guy on his, on his team receiving, but he may not mm-hmm. get the number. Cause he, he, was, he was getting a lot of volume being the guy in Detroit uh, on a team that had to throw a lot to keep up. So I think the volume might go down, but the quality of the looks might go up, and that might kind of balance out in the long run, at least in the short term. Now, what does it do for the Lions? It's got to hurt golf. Um, you just can't take away one of your best targets, uh, even though he's only really had one big game so far this year. He was dictating coverages, and so now it remains to be seen if all those other guys, those speedy guys on the outside, can do anything with, with their newfound freedom and these extra targets. I thought when the trade was made, maybe this implied that Jamison Williams is closer to coming back than I thought. I, I have seen no indication of that, no signs of that from Detroit. But I think that now becomes really interesting going forward. Does Amon Ross, St. Brown, and uh, maybe Jamison Williams come down fantasy playoff time? Uh, are these guys now ones who are going to pick up enough slack that they're going to be worthy fantasy starters and maybe game changers down the stretch? I, I, there's a lot of remains to be seen here. Um, but uh, I, I think the big thing is they're just, they just didn't want to commit to that $10 million for Hawkinson to keep him next year or pony up for the long-term deal when they had clearly a lot of other needs on that team that they're going to need to spend some money on short-term. Yeah, the coaches just didn't seem uh, that, that thrilled with, uh, with, with using Hawkinson that much. Uh, there were games there where he would catch one or two passes and not be used at all. Uh, I'm on St. Brown, obviously, is the number one there. DJ Chark's out injured. Uh, Josh Reynolds was, has had a couple of good games there. And even Khalif Raymond uh, has produced. And, and then they seem to like their, their young rookie, Brock Wright, uh, is also James Mitchell, those guys that are unknowns right now, but they're going to step right into the starting role. They might not be impactful uh, for a fantasy perspective, but, but uh, they, they can block and such. And so, you know, that helps the running game too. But like you say, it, it kind of remains to be seen there. But I do like uh, Hawkinson in a Viking uniform. Uh, and like you say, he'll probably see less volume, but uh, he'll make plays and uh, he'll draw some coverage away uh, from from other guys. And you know, uh, in terms of Adam Thielen, yeah, he might not catch two or three passes on a key drive or whatnot, but Hawkinson might get the the big pass to get him down to the goal line, and then you know Thielen gets the score in the corner. So it all evens out, and uh, you know, more scoring chances means you know more possible points maybe a little bit less volume there. It, it's a good thing for for the team, both for fantasy and the NFL way of looking at And real quickly, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on, on the Jaguars acquiring suspended wide receiver Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. Uh, basically, they gave him, I think, what, a, a fifth-round pick next year, and then another pick that could be anywhere from like a fifth or sixth on up to a second, depending on how he plays and if, if, he, if he returns to form. Uh, why do you think the Jaguars did this? Well, I love the move. You've got a young quarterback who's who's still really not quite developed the way they'd hoped after being picked number one. He hasn't had an alpha dog uh, receiver yet. I completely, To be honest with you, I completely forgot Calvin Ridley was still out there and available. And I thought when I saw the trade, wow, that is a brilliant move looking ahead to next year to, 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 to aid the development of this. You know, you, guys, you put a guy like him on the outside, assuming he can come back uh, as he was before, he'll be in his prime. He's only 27 right now. Coming up, I mean, last time he played a full season, it was like nearly 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's that's pretty darn good. Uh, I, I think that was a brilliant move. Uh, if if it, even if he ends up paying out a second round pick for, for for him to come back at that level as an alpha receiver, 
that's that's an incredible value. Really helps the development of their franchise guy. Uh, ironically, though, if you think uh, he got suspended for betting on the Falcons to cover against the Jaguars last year, so it's kind of kind of ironic. <laughs> So that's the team that he ends up getting traded to. But I do really, really like the trade. Oh, for you guys in dynasty leagues out there, um, you know, I've forgotten about him in my dynasty league. He's been available because he wasn't cut or wasn't picked up. You might want to go pick him up at the end of the year, carry him over to next year for uh, for a low price. I think that's that's something you want to keep your eye on and remember all these guys like him that are not on a roster right now. Hey, it's a lottery ticket like OBJ and such. You know, when they come back. Uh... Uh, well, I mean, it, obviously this guy was drafted, the guy I'm going to uh, mention here, but, you know, he sent out for six weeks, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, goes from uh, a nobody for six weeks to, you know, uh, top of the heap pretty much for, for fantasy for a wide receiver. And, uh, you know, these things, you, you just hold on to the lottery ticket. If it pays off, you, you've got a, a great deal. And if it doesn't, then you just cut them and move on. Anyway, uh, because of all these trades that we just talked about, six of them, uh, six of the ten, uh, most of the others dealt with the uh, IDP, uh, individual defensive players and such. There's no NFL uh, injury list tonight. Uh, we do urge everyone to direct you to ffmastermind.com. We have a comprehensive list of injuries for the week. And, of course, we want to thank our uh, weekly sponsor, FanDuel. Tackle millions and prizes all football season long in FanDuel's fantasy contest. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get on in the action because right now, new customers get a free single-game entry when you sign up for FanDuel. Single-game contests are a great way to get in on the action for the week's big, biggest matchups with huge cash, prize, cash prizes up for grabs. Just draft your five-player lineup and put your best player in the MVP position where fantasy points are multiplied by one and a half. Plus, on FanDuel, you can pl- uh, also play full-slate contests featuring multi- multiple games, season-long best ball contests, and so much more. And when you win, you'll get paid fast, and I can vouch for that. So kick off your fantasy season or football season with a free single-game entry. Why not try it? It's just a game, right? Uh, You might like it. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app and sign up with the promo code MASTERMIND. That's M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D. That's promo code MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D. T-E-R-M-I-N-D, to get your free single-game entry. All right, we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. All right, people, check us out at ffmastermind.com. Lots of free uh, features there, including our flagship feature, our free NFL Quick Bits, uh, all the news as it breaks. Uh, a lot of stuff posted there today about the trades. 
Uh, my fantasy instant uh, analysis uh, and such uh, for premium subscribers is behind the paywall, but guess what? It's only $14.95 for the mid-season sale. That gets you the newsletters, everything uh, that's updated for during the day, all our premium injury quick bits, the market feature, the inside slant, a holler from the cheap seats from John Holler, a um, uh, whole bunch of stuff, our game analysis from John Cooney, and, of course, our weekly rankings updated on Saturday with Fantasy Reaches and, of course, our in- list of inactives on Sunday morning and lots of good I- information there. Try us out for the price of a pizza. And, of course, you can also check out our free Ionic Sky Scanner reports. Uh, include uh, those on the Colts from uh, Chris Rideau, and he's going to be uh, typing up a, a nice new report about the trade uh, with Naheem Hines and Zach Moss there. Anyway, please follow me on Twitter, at FFMastermind. All right, let's get to right, uh, right to this week's picks to click and flick, the guys you want to consider starting or benching this week and why. Give me a couple quarterbacks you like and why this week, Chris. I'm going to start with a contrarian play. I like Matt Stafford this week. I mean, nobody can really run well against the Bucks, and with the Rams, their total lack of a running game has kind of put Stafford in perpetual throw mode as well. So I think this is a nice complimentary match to give him some volume. Um, Stafford's actually owned the Bucks in his career, averaging over 340 yards per game and three touchdowns in five games with a low score of 297 and three scores. Uh, well, you know, at playing games in Tampa, he's never gone under 305 yards. And in his games as a Ram, he's been over 345 yards each time. So even if Cuff is at reduced effectiveness, I think this might make Stafford spread the ball and he could still be effective. And then I like, uh, as, as a streamer, I like Andy Dalton this week. He's averaging over 26 points per game the last two weeks. Gets another plus matchup against a team that has allowed the third most passing yards so far. And they've allowed four 300-yard games, including some really pedestrian options like Mac Jones and Joe Flacco. And now they've been better recently, but Dalton may be in high-volume mode again, again this week. The Red Rifle has actually skipped around the league for several years, but amazingly, he's played Baltimore every season while being in the NFC, while stubbing in as a backup. So there's still his familiarity. He's got a decent history, a lot of experience against Baltimore from his time in Cincy. So if you need a bye week, Phil, and you could do a lot worse off the waiver wire than Andy Dalton. Okay, before I get to my uh, two quarterbacks that I like this week, I want to remind everybody this is week nine. And so, yes, it's hell week. Uh, six teams are off. Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, New York Giants, Pittsburgh, San Francisco. That's alphabetical order, people. So if you got any players on those teams, you can't play them this week. They will not play. They'll get you zero. So the picks to click and flick are much more important and very scarce to, get to come by. But i got a, lot, a couple of guys I like at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, hey, uh, guess what? He's playing Detroit. Everyone has success against Detroit. Romeo Dudes was making some good plays last week, finally making some good catches. And, and they might get Alan Lazard back this week. Uh, Robert Tanyan has been solid this, this year. And the other guys are even step, stepping up. Uh, so I think if you need uh, Rodgers, you can start him, and he'll give you he'll be serviceable at least this week. Justin Fields, uh, two games in a row, really impressive. He's getting the Miami defense, and their secondary sucks. You just asked Jared Goff and the Lions last week. I think Fields has a good game this week, so if you need him, you start him. Don't worry about it. On the flip side here, uh, Jared Goff for Detroit. Yeah, Packers ranked number two against the quarterback in fantasy points. So, uh, you know, he he, does, he loses uh, Hawkinson this week. Uh, he doesn't yet has Jamison Williams. Uh, Ron St. Brown, I'm not quite sure if he's 100% or not. Uh, in fact, they did say that Drondre Swift is not 100%, and that's why they kind of eased him back into action. So it's probably not that good of a week to start golf. And P.J. Walker, uh, it's a big game, right? Yeah, 60, what, five-yard uh, Hail Mary? That's what gave him the one touchdown pass and over 300 yards last week. Otherwise, he's sitting around 250 and no scores. Well, guess what? He gets the Bengals this week, and uh, despite the fact that he didn't look very good on Monday night, they only gave up one touchdown pass in that game. That's seven for the season. 
in seven games. Uh, so, uh, or actually, was that in eight games? That's in eight games. They haven't had even had a bye yet. So, uh, P.J. Walker, nope, he's not a sub for me this week. How about you, Chris? A couple of quarterbacks you're not crazy about and why? Uh, I'll start with David Carr. His fantasy struggles have been well-documented recently. He's averaging under 13 points per game since week three. He's the quarterback 31 in that time. Although, to be fair, his volume was way down because Josh Jacobs was running wild for about a month. Now, this past week was a little disturbing, though, because Jacobs was a non-factor, and he was playing with a huge deficit the whole time. He was still a weak killer uh, this week. This week, they faced a travel-weary and slumping Jaguars team, but a team that's only allowed under 250 yards per game passing and a total of 10 passing touchdowns all season. They've held opposing quarterbacks to zero or one touchdowns in six of eight games, so I don't like David Carr to break out this week. And then a big caution play here is Tom Brady. He's obviously struggled to put the ball in the end zone all year, He's tossed zero or one touchdown in seven of eight starts so far. That's so unbrady-like. Meanwhile, the Rams' defense has allowed the third fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks, only eight passing touchdowns so far in 2022, with only one coming on the road that they've allowed. So uh, Brady's only tossed five touchdowns total in his last five games against the Rams, with four of those five games under 20 fantasy points and an average of under 18 points per game. That is not good. How about a couple of running backs you like and why? Uh, it's hard not to like Miles Sanders. On the short week, the run game often dominates, and when you're facing the league's worst and most tired run defense, it dominates even more. This is kind of a no-brainer matchup play here for a guy that's quietly been a solid high-end PPR number two all season anyway. Uh, he's averaged 18 points per game in PPR versus AFC teams over the last three seasons as well. Now, mind you, he's playing part-time in all, on all three of those years. So the only hefty lead, but he's been efficient in limited touches, so I think he's going to be a big part of getting some points to generate that big lead up front. This matchup's so good, and there'll be so much garbage time that even Kenneth Gainwell or, or Boston Scott might be desperation flex plays this week. And then I like Tyler Algier. Uh, he's a great bi-week sub. He's steadily increased his workload for a run-heavy team, averaged 15 points per game in PPR the last couple weeks, despite very limited targets. Uh, he scored in consecutive games as well. And this week he faces off against one of the weakest run defenses in the NFL, the Chargers, and surely the Falcons are going to run even more than usual to try to minimize Justin Herbert getting the tee off on their crappy secondary. So with the Chargers, they've actually allowed 100 yards rushing in four of their last five games. Two of those games have also been the rookie running backs. I bet it's three after Sunday. Okay, a couple of running backs I like this week. Believe it or not, A.J. Dillon might come through for you because he's playing the Lions and their run defense is not very good. Uh, A.J. Uh, actually showed a little bit of sign of life against Buffalo on Sunday night. So the fact that he's playing the Lions makes him a decent flex play this week, so start him if you need him. And Ryan Mostert, uh, yeah, I think he's going to score on the Bears. Their defense is uh, right now <laughs> – Tony Pollard scored three times on him, and now they've got no Robert Quinn and no uh, Roquan Smith. So uh, Raheem Mostert, I think, is going to do very well this week. Uh, A couple of guys I'm concerned about, the tandem of Michael Carter and James Robinson against the Bills. I know the Bills uh, gave up quite a bit of running there against uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but Michael Carter and James Robinson are not quite in that class. I think the Bills are going to shut down most of the Jets' offense this week, and I'd be careful about starting them, especially Robinson. And, of course, Gus Edwards, uh, he's got that hamstring injury. They're hoping he plays. They're not sure. The Saints have a solid run defense, so that tells me to to bench him just to make sure. Uh, Don't be surprised if Kenyon Drake starts. Even if uh, Gus Edwards can play in that game, he might be very limited, so I'd I'd sit him if he can. How about you, uh, Chris? A couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why? 
Well, Brian Robinson, he's a great story. He's a tremendous interior runner, but really none of those things garner any fantasy points. So I think he's a great stash on your bench and not a starter at this current time. Gibson's been way more active, definitely more involved in the passing game, uh, even, especially with the expectation of a negative game script. I think the touches are going to be few and far between for Robinson this week. I think the other two-thirds of the RBBC is better, and he's just a touchdown-dependent option with a very low floor. So I would kind of stay away from Brian Robinson this week. And then Daryl Henderson is another guy that's devolved into a little bit of a three-headed RBBC. He also does not benefit for what his opponent offers, much like Robinson, except it's the other way around. The Bucks allow among the fewest running back points, very specifically because they allow amongst the fewest running back receptions and yards. So with Henderson primarily getting his points in space and losing touches on early downs, this looks like another low-floor, low-ceiling opportunity for him as well. He's actually put up the same number of PPR points as Naheem Hines on 50% more touches. So I just don't see an upside or a value-added start here. Okay, how about the wide receiver? A couple of guys you like this week. Uh, I like MVS. He's flown a little bit under the radar in the last three weeks because Juju and Kelsey and Hardman have been exploding. But he's got two games of 90-plus yards. He's overdue for a long score. And Tennessee is a team with a banged-up and inadequate secondary that is particularly susceptible to the deep ball this year. So this one's a little bit of a hunch, but uh, despite being big play reliant, MVS has shown himself to have a high floor, even with very limited targets most weeks, and a very high ceiling if he finds pay dirt. I think he might have something to prove to, about the Chiefs' need to go and get Canarias Tony. So I think he's going he's to ball out this week. And then I like Adam Thielen. Uh, the commanders have been amongst the most generous of the fantasy wide receiver. A great deal of the completions and points have been of the underneath variety that's become the crux of Adam Thielen's game in the last two seasons. He gets seven or eight targets every week, never sees top coverage, solid PPR guy, even without scoring. Um, so he has a pretty high floor. He has scored on the weekend after Halloween for the last five seasons as well. So it's kind of a little statistical quirk that seems to pan out in his favor as well. Wow, uh, that is a crazy stat. Love it. I've got me some feeling here and there, so go go at them. Okay, a couple wide receivers I like this week. Uh, you mentioned MBS. I'm mentioning JSS, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yep, big game coming against that sorry Titan secondary. She started him with confidence. And Romeo Dubs uh, showed some life uh, with a nice game and a score last week. Well, guess what? You know, uh, all the Packers are playing Detroit, so you start them if you own them and need them. A couple of guys I feel kind of bad for. <laughs> Elijah Moore, yeah, my comment on in the picks to click on Monday were free him, free him, we want him traded. No, he didn't get traded, and we know the Jets are not going to cut him because they would have cut Denzel Mims, but and they didn't, and then they played Mims ahead of Moore. They're punishing Moore uh, this past weekend. Yeah, he played as the fifth wide receiver uh, behind to back up Garrett Wilson at his old position on the outside. Oh. Elijah, 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 got to wait till the end of the season. Hopefully, maybe they'll trade him then. And Brandon Cooks, oh, well, he's going to play probably because he practiced fully two days ago. Uh, he wasn't moved. Uh, unfortunately, he gets the Eagles this week, and uh, Darius Slay is going to be all over him. So, uh, you know, I, I'd be careful there for Brandon Cooks. Don't expect much. How about you, Chris, a couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about and why? Uh, Michael Pittman, he's a big caution play. He faces the team that has stifled most fantasy production, allowing amongst the fewest receptions to receivers and only four touchdowns all year. And In fact, they've only allowed one wide receiver touchdown since week four, and the, and the few guys that have top 14 PPR points have all been speed burners that had a single long grab to get their points. He's a volume-based PPR value, and if he can't get that volume, there's a low, he has a low floor for wide receiver too. Um, I suspect Pittman's going to find fantasy points hard to come by this week, especially with a young quarterback facing the grandmaster of the evil empire and uh, Belichick. 
And then I kind of don't like Devonta Smith this week. Uh, he's explosive but inconsistent. Probably not a guy I want to rely on this week. Um, like I said earlier, the Thursday night games tend to be run fest, especially when your team is heavily favored against a deficient run defense. So I don't think he's going to get a lot of volume and, in fact, could be sitting out late in the game when uh, when it's already decided. And uh, there's no wide receivers have been fantasy factors against Houston thus far for this reason. And the guys that have done well are the bigger and more technical guys, not the speed guys. So if anything, I think it's going to be another A.J. Brown game. Um, he's going to have low volume, lower chance to score, definitely a caution play on my list. Okay, how about tight end? A couple of guys you like and why? Uh, I like Will Disley. Uh, the Cardinals have had a, a lot of league-high seven touchdowns in the tight end, including four in the last two games. Disley's shown more of a knack for the end zone, even though Noah Fant has kind of taken over and got more targets and catches recently. I think they could both be serviceable in PPR, but I like Disley's chances at scoring, making him a better play in all scoring systems. Uh, Fant did have his best game with the Seahawks versus Arizona a few weeks ago, and this generally garners him a little extra tension for the defense in the rematch. So I, I kind of like Disley. And then I love Zach Ertz this week. The only team allowing more fantasy points to the tight end than, than the Cardinals across the field for them is the Seahawks, although that's a bit skewed by Taysom Hill's three rushing score games from a while ago. Nonetheless, they've allowed the most receiving yards to tight ends by a wide margin, as well as four touchdowns already. I think this is going to be a great week for some good volume for Ertz, especially as Hop proved he still needs double and triple coverage. Believe it or not, Ertz has had seven or more catches in each of his three games against Seattle as a Cardinal, averaging 20 PPR points per game. And with the Eagles, he played them four times, and he scored in every one of those games, averaging 18 PPR points per game. Ertz just loves playing this matchup. I definitely make sure he's in your lineup. Nice. All right. A couple of guys I like this week. Robert Tanyan. Uh, yeah, here we go. Another Packer against the Eagles. Yeah, they suck against the tight end, too, so start Robert Tanyan if you need him. And Evan Ingram's really been coming on, really played well in London, scored with a touchdown. And guess what? They're playing the Raiders. They've given up six tight end scores in 2022, so start Ingram with uh, with confidence. A couple of guys I'd be concerned about. I know Tyler Conklin scored twice in garbage time last week, but the Bills have given up zero tight end touchdowns in 2022, so be careful there. And Kyle Pitts, uh, well, you know, he come off another solid game, but he's just not getting the volume. And the Chargers have given up just one tight end touchdown in 2022, so it's a caution play for Kyle Pitts. How about you, Chris, a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about and why? Well, we mentioned this earlier. I don't like T.J. Hawkinson this week. I love what it does for the offense, but coming in midweek, it's hard for me to believe he's going to get a lot of action. And he also has to face the top tight end limiting defense. Uh, Well, he doesn't face the top tight end limiting defense like he would have if he stayed in Detroit. He gets the third best still and one that's allowed the second fewest receptions in yards. Washington's not allowed a tight end to top 40 yards yet this season. I've only allowed one touchdown, none in five games. So stash him, but don't start him. And then my big caution play is Mark Andrews. Um, although if he's in the lineup, you've got to start him. With so many teams on a bye especially. But he's dealing with two minor injuries that have kept him from scoring basically almost anything the last two games. And this week he faces one of the three teams yet to allow a tight end to score a touchdown this year. The Saints also allow the third fewest yards and catches. And no tight end has yet to score double digits in PPR yet this year against them. So be cautious and lower your expectations. Okay, it's time for one-hit wonders at kicker and defense. Hit me with them, Chris. All right, because of the heavy bye week, the streaming options are going to be even more likely to be needed. So I'm going to give you a bonus one, three at each position. I like Jake Elliott for Philly. Houston gives up consistent kicking points, and you play all Philly players this week. I like Eddie Pinheiro. He's quietly top ten in field goals and points, and Cincinnati's allowed the most field goal attempts and kicker fantasy points. And then Mason Crosby, hey, you're putting every Packer in the lineup out there. You know, Green Bay scored over 30 for five straight games against Detroit, so there should be plenty of chances and indoor conditions for Mason Crosby. 
couple of defenses I like. I love the Vikings going into Washington, back-to-back double-digit weeks, facing a questionable and generous O-line. I like Carolina at Cincinnati. Uh, Carolina's been a steady performer without getting sacks, and Cincinnati gives up sacks by the handful. And then I really like Kansas City at home against Tennessee. They're rested coming off, you know, eyes and playing with the lead on Sunday night football against either a rookie Malik Willis or a Gimpy Tannehill. Casey should have a really nice day. Yeah, those are good uh, ones you picked out because uh, we picked up uh, Elliott uh, to play him this week uh, with Mar on a bye. And also in another league, I picked up Minnesota with uh, the Jets playing Buffalo this week. <laughs> and then on, on top of that, yeah, I put in for Mason Crosby in another league where I've got a kicker that uh, that is off on a bye. So those make good sense there. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, for Chris Rito, this is Michael Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our Week 10, yes, double digits, Week 10 preview for fantasy football in 2022 of the NFL season. Good night and good luck to everyone this week. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!